Fala bem francês? Nunca um problema. I learned all sorts of French. Y'all, so I just got back last night at 10, 10 p.m. from Paris. So for a week in Paris, I know. Exactly. Right now, it's only 3 p.m. for me, so I'm on a roll. But I mean, I will crash in a minute. But So I might have cotton for brains today, so Lord knows what's going to come out. But yeah, got home at 10 p.m. last night. And five women, obnoxious, loud, laughing American women in Paris, French people do not pre appreciate. <laughs> I have never been more places where we were continually shushed. I mean, rudely shushed. People would come to our table and go, shh. It was awful. So we were so paranoid. I was like, oh my gosh, we're supposed to tone it down. It was hilarious. But yeah, so I flew back yesterday. And I don't know if y'all can see, but y'all, it was so crazy. My friends flew back before I did, and I didn't get on their flight. So I had a half a day in Paris, and then I flew home later. And I usually travel with my husband. And I don't know about you, but I just sort of like follow him everywhere blindly. And I don't pay attention to things like where the gate is. And, you know. and so I got there by myself, and it's this huge Paris airport, and I was just losing things and dropping things and doing things wrong, and anyway, I was just so frustrated with myself. And then going through the security line, I cut my arm so badly, I don't even know what, blood was dripping everywhere. It was on my clothes, it was on the conveyor belt, dripping. And so I was like, oh my gosh, and they were so sweet to me. At least I left Paris with somebody loving me. Okay, do not let me forget my watch. I can tell you it's gonna keep falling. They were very sweet. They had to take me to the first aid clinic. I'm getting, and they wrapped, my whole arm was wrapped in like white gauze. And, and I was just on the plane going, oh my gosh, I just wish I could like twinkle my nose and be back in San Antonio. But I'm here and I feel good. And it's glad to be, I'm glad to be here. I've missed y'all for the last two weeks, but I know y'all have had an awesome time with Christy and with Anne-Marie. And um, I'm excited today to do some of the Lego workshop. But first I also just want to mention, you know, uh, I don't know if y'all know, and if, if you were at church on, Sunday night, I know Joey preached about it, but uh, our nephew, my husband's brother's son, died of an overdose last week. And uh, on, oh my gosh, Sunday morning, early Sunday morning. Saturday night, yeah, we got a call, so the Silks were in town, right? The Silks were in town, and Saturday we did a conference with the Silks, and then we got a phone call at 2.30 in the morning, and my nephew had died of an overdose. So Joey jumped in the car and drove to Austin, then I came up a couple of hours later, stayed with them all day Sunday, um, just with the family, so much pain and just addiction and the whole thing, you know, there's just so much pain and um, I was not going to go to Paris, absolutely not, I was going to stay, but my sister-in-law really, she just grabbed my hands and she's like, I didn't know you had a trip, I want you to go, I'm, I'm not, I don't need you here right now, you don't have to be with the family, right? I'm going to need you afterwards, just when everything slows down, the casseroles start coming in. So anyway, I went to Paris and it was really hard, I realized, to be and Amory and I were just talking about it, to be in a place of being fully, fully released from God that I should go to Paris. But my family was in so much pain back home, you know, and, and looking at my children, watching my children just step up to the plate and just love the, their, their cousins and my sister-in-law, my brother-in-law, and, and just really, but also then just our friends that so stepped in and, and took the place. And like Amory, she sang at the funeral. And then even afterwards, my daughter, she's all heart and she's all, a two on the Enneagram, if you know what that is, all help. And so she's just fully taking responsibility and taking care of everyone. And so I got a video on, I don't know what day, one day when I was in Paris, Joey sends me a video and Amory's like doing the trauma prayer over her ministering. And my heart was so like, oh my gosh, I so want to be there. But I, this is the body and this is family in action. Yeah. When the people step in, yeah. 
and they are standing in your place. And I know that Annie was fully getting what she needed and fully being loved on by this person that is fully connected to me. And that really is the body. And I feel like what we're doing in here is learning how to be fully alive and fully present in each moment with where I am and how I'm feeling and not trying to analyze it or judge it or do something else to be out here or to be there or to be like them, but be fully present, whatever that is in the moment, experiencing all of life in him. And there's all kinds of emotions and things that go with that. I could be fully present with my friends in Paris because I felt like God told me to go. But I could also be fully like my heart at home with my family who's in so much pain. And when we learn to recognize that it doesn't have to be one or the other, either or, but it can be all in him. And I'm not disassociating, like denying everything. I'm actually just feeling it all and holding it. Does that make sense to y'all? Yes. And the purpose of this whole year and developing the cultivated life, that we have a cultivated life, is that the truth is, is that my full, I have full freedom. I told you, he asked me the question, how free do you want to be? And the truth is, is that my, there's a scriptures, there's a couple of them, that uh, for freedom, Christ has set you free. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Uh, it is for free, what a freedom that Christ has set you free. Did I already say that one? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is Freedom. And I used to think that that's freedoms out there, or there's freedom at that church, or they have a lot of freedom, or they walk in freedom. The truth is freedom, if the Holy Spirit is in you, freedom is in him. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Holy Spirit is in you, so you are in freedom. You are not looking out there for, to get more freedom. You are not trying to go to this place and sit under this special anointing of freedom. You have freedom in you because it is yeah. in Holy Spirit that there is freedom. Yeah. And so what we're doing in here is I recognize that, that is, while that is fully true, that I have freedom in him. The Spirit of the Lord is in me, so I have freedom in me that is waiting, bursting to get out. But I am having to learn how to continually surrender the parts of my heart that I recognize that I have not fully brought to the light. And it is not a one-time thing. I don't get to say, well, I tried to do that and that didn't work. It is a continuing renewal of the mind. It is a continuing to bring things up and let them be exposed that this place in myself, whether it be a negative belief system, whether it be a limited belief system, negative thought structure or thought pattern, I am learning because I trust him and he is good. And I now have a deeper revelation of what's happening in my brain, what's happening in my mind, and that my body is following that. So because that I know that now, and I know that he wants me to be fully free, like your true, authentic self, not the false self, not who I've presented to the world and I'm trying to be, I think you need me to be, but I get to show up being fully, authentically me, in him, fully alive and fully free. Yes. And so when, because I know this, the, the stuff that I've been learning, I can go, well, I recognize that in this place in my life, I am not fully free. I'm not living as my truest self. I'm not living in true freedom. So this little thought pattern, this limiting belief system, I am going to bring up to the light and look at it for what it is and ask what is his perspective on that. And I'm going to have close people in my life and they're going to tell me what it is from their perspective of what that looks like. And that's what we're going to do today. Um, 
Thank you. You know, there's that scripture that says, um, oh my gosh, y'all, my brain is cotton. <laughs> you inhabit eternity. He's placed eternity in our hearts. Whatever. It's that scripture. Because he has placed eternity in our hearts, you are eternal. Who Your true self, who you really are, is eternal in him. And so we've talked a lot in here about, oh my Lord, why am I trying to go here? I'll never remember how to say this. The brain science stuff is going to get me. We talk a lot about here in here about memorized state of being. A memorized state of being, and some scientists call it a chemical, the chemical you. And the chemical you is how I am most familiar with thinking and feeling. That my whole life, I will have that thought, this thought is there, and then my nervous system responds with a corresponding emotion equal to the thought. I am feeling afraid. Oh, we'll give you some fear endorphins. Here's some fear emotions. And now I'm feeling afraid. So I'm thinking afraid. Now I am feeling afraid. So my thoughts and my emotions are congruent, and that establishes a state of being. If I live like that my whole life, every day, that is deeply rooted. It is deeply ingrained for me to live that way. What we're doing is going, I have a fearful thought. My body is wanting to establish a fearful emotion to make me then be in a chemical you that Kelly is a fearful person. And I'm like getting outside of that by going, I have this fearful thought. But the truth is, and I'm not denying what's happening. I am saying that the truth is this. What does it feel like to be um, so excited about speaking at this event that I'm terrified to speak at? You know, yeah. what does it feel like? And I'm learning. I'm thinking it and I'm feeling it and I'm thinking it and I'm feeling it. And when I begin to then, I am getting into a more congruent state of being. And when it lines up with the truth of what he says about me, who he says I am, that is the eternal you. He knows the plans that he has for you. He has plans for good. Your future's full of hope. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows every one of your days. He has written books about your life before the foundation of the world. He has seen them. He sees everything and he writes your life in a book. There are books in heaven written about you. And so when I am learning what is he saying? What is he doing? That's then what I'm going to think and believe because the attitudes that you have, the thoughts that you think, the belief systems that you develop, the feelings that you feel are all creating your predominant state of being. And so I recognize some of those in my life have to shift, right? And now I know I can do that. The, a cultivated life is a transformed life. And transformation, like we said, is measurable. And Romans 12, 2, that do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And remember that that word is metamorphosis. Transformed is metamorphosis. And what does it make us think of? A butterfly in a cocoon. <laughs> and we know that, we know we're little, this is one of my favorite things we did in elementary school. Did y'all get those caterpillars? The really furry ones. And we'd watch them and you put them in the little terrarium thing. And they were fat and cute, and I, I'm weird. I like bugs and frogs and lizards, and it's so weird. I almost bought a lizard recently. Did I tell you that? Don't do it. It was the prettiest lizard. My friends thought I was nuts. 
I don't have children at home, and I go to pet works, and I'm like, I miss having weird reptiles in the house and gerbils. And he was such a pretty lizard. I literally was going to buy this lizard. I sent a picture of him to Joey. He was like, are you out of your mind? And then I went and looked at the terrarium and all that, and I was like, oh, forget it. I'm going to do that. Anyway, butterfly. So this, those little caterpillars, remember? And then they start, they'll get on a stick, and they start weaving that cocoon. And then you watch the cocoon and kids are so excited they can't wait to watch finally when the butterfly comes out of the cocoon. And what happens when the kids see that butterfly, the, the little hole and you can tell, you can see that it's just struggling to get out. What do we naturally want to do? We want to help it out. What do we do with our children when our children are in pain or we think that, oh, they're having this relational struggle with a friend. What do we want to do? Immediately jump in and help them. Because why? We don't like struggle. We really, we, we, don't, we don't like the struggle. We don't want to struggle. We don't want to see our loved ones struggle. But that butterfly cannot survive without struggle. In order, when that butterfly is trying to get out of that cocoon, that little fat body of that caterpillar is that fat thing you see in the middle of the butterfly. And what's happening is it's beating its wings against the edges of the cocoon. And in doing that, the wings are becoming fully developed so it can fly. In my life, every time I am trying to get helped out of the struggle or help others out of the struggle, I am short, I am, what am I doing? Shortcutting. I am shortcutting the process that is necessary for them to live in metamorphosis, for them to live in transformation. So the struggle that I am, and I heard Joey, and I know he talked about the funeral. Oh, y'all didn't tell y'all this part. This is so funny. Are y'all following me? Yes. I feel like I'm on jet lag brain. I'm like... I'm over here, and I'm here. Oh, a little caffeine. Oh, a little caffeine. No food. Airplane food. I had a pizza last night on the plane. It was so gross. Um, flew an American. I actually got to fly because my husband, bless his heart. I'm all over the map. My husband works so hard, and he travels for his business because he has to travel a whole lot, so we've got a ridiculous amount of miles. And he works so hard, and then I take him, and I fly first class. <laughs> so bad. So I get there and I mean, this plane, different than I remembered flying first class before, I mean, it had one of those pods where you're completely alone and it completely lays down, like fully lays down. I mean, I've gone to Africa so many times sitting in economy at the back of the plane, just like this, nothing reclines, you know, and I was like, this is the best thing ever. I texted Joey and I took a picture of myself in the pod and I was like, I will never fly coach again. <laughs> I am only flying first class. It was awesome. I slept for five hours. It was so good. So different. I was great when I got there. Coming home, mm -mm, on the back of the bus, just sitting there like this. So I didn't sleep so well. But, oh yeah. So, Lord help me. Tell me when you're not following me and I'll just regroup. But I was going to tell y'all, for some reason. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, Joey was going to say this. Joey said this at the funeral on Sunday. And the only reason I know that is because I really wanted to be there. And so my sweet soon-to-be daughter-in-law FaceTimed me in and I knew she was going to FaceTime me in and so I was trying to get home and we were literally on one end of Paris and needed to get back to the hotel and they were they're still doing some of those demonstrations so there's roadblocks everywhere so two of my friends and I are hooking it we're walking so fast trying to get there but I was like we cannot be in Paris traffic when they FaceTime so we jump in a taxi we're stuck in there forever so she FaceTimes me in and I think she's just, you know, got the phone down here. She has it, like, way up here, so everyone behind can see us. Because, I mean, we were muted. 
but I wasn't thinking about that. So we're sitting in the taxi, and then I'm crying, and my friends are hugging me, and then we're laughing and talking, and then all of a sudden we're in the hotel room, and we're laying down on the bed with the phone up like this. You know that horrible angle? Like this? Like this is the, everyone behind can see this angle like this. Not thinking they can see us. I'm just thinking, oh, we can see them and listen to the funeral. And we're crying, and they're hugging me, and then we were drinking wine. <laughs> And then my friend is getting dressed, putting on makeup and stuff. And thank the Lord she didn't like take off her shirt and start. Because really, we weren't thinking if they could see us. Because I thought the anyway, it was, anyway, it was so funny. Chuck texted me. He's like, "Yeah, I could tell you were in a taxi. Then I could see you laying down in a hotel bed." And I was like, "What? <laughs> Gosh, I didn't know that." Yeah, he was, he was like, I could see y'all sleep laying down on a bed and you're drinking some wine. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I had several other people, Joey's cousins that all came in from California. They were like, we loved it. It was hilarious. Just watching that way. Hotel in Paris. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so anyway, I know why I was going to say that. I heard that Joey said at the funeral, and, and I did hear him say it a little bit, but that the struggle pushing up against your identity and that's the thing is, is that without the struggle, I do not know where my blind spots are. I do not know where my weaknesses are. Without the struggle, I cannot fully grow. And so I'm learning to embrace the process, embrace struggling and embracing pain is what enables me to then process through and get to the other side and recognize the growth and the maturity that has taken place and I can fly. Because I'm not allowing anyone to rescue me out of it anymore and shortcut that process and dig the hole of the cocoon for me so that I can fly out. Because you know what happens? If you do that, a little butterfly will come out, but it has little tiny wings and a big fat body. What's happening in the struggle is water is leaving, fluid is leaving, the big fat caterpillar, and it's going out so that it has a little skinny, what we see when it's flying, a little skinny thing and big huge wings. And so that's us this year. We're developing the cultivated life. It's a transformed life. It's a place of metamorphosis. And um, we're going to do the Lego exercise in a minute. But the places of conformity, that scripture that says, um, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The places of conformity that we're talking about are when we act out of our false self. Um, when we begin to develop personas or ways of being based upon outward expectations of others, maybe my family, um, all of that, those places of conformity, when we bring them into the light, we, we are learning to be who we truly are in him. And let's turn to 2 Corinthians 2. Just, I only have a couple of scriptures this time, and then we really are going to spend, now I'm messed up that I don't have my watch. There it is. 2 Corinthians 2. Verse 17. Makes no sense. <laughs> For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity. That is not. <laughs> maybe it's 1 Corinthians. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 2. Mm, but there's not even a 17 and 18. <laughs> no. Maybe it's. Okay, it's the one you know it. Maybe it's 2 Corinthians 3. 
I bet that's what it is. Second Corinthians three. That makes sense. So it's three. Second Corinthians three. That's it. All right. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Yeah. There we go. Second Corinthians three, verse seventeen. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Let me stop right there and say that when I used to hear that voice, verse, and the way that I was taught in theology was that you are kind of a worm now. Like you're kind of, you know, you're not great. But the glory of the Lord is up here. But my glory is way down here. And that the Lord doesn't share his glory with another, is the scripture in the Old Testament. And that is not what this is saying. It's not like, oh, it's that that word glory is doxa. And doxa means opinion, 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 thought, and estimation. So what we're saying is when we are, I am going from, I am beholding him. And I am beholding and listening to his thoughts and his opinion and his estimation of me. And I am now being transformed into the very same image. Because my thoughts and my opinions and my estimations of myself are not that great. They have fallen short of the glory of God. The way that I see myself, the way that I think about myself, things that I've heard from my past, from teachers or parents or siblings or friends or whoever, those things become deeply ingrained and we think that is who we are. And God's opinions, thoughts, and estimations of me and you are so much higher. So whenever we're talking about anything in here, even quantum physics, and we're talking about the universe and you know, blah, 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 it's we're beholding him. He is in all. He created all. It's all for him. It's all through him. It's all to him. So his opinion, so I am being, the glory of God is his self-manifestation. When he fully manifests himself and all of who he is, fully his nature, his character, who he is, how he is, all of his many names, he is demonstrating out in the open his personhood. And I am being transformed into that where I can then live just like we were saying during that song where Anne-Marie and I fully like not afraid to resist, not afraid to be vulnerable and show you who I am, where I can fully manifest myself because I feel so confident in him and in who he is in me and who he is making me to be. Does that make sense? So with the Lego exercise, um, we're going to use our imagination, and the imagination is gives us the ability um, to create where previously there was nothing. The reason that this is such a powerful thing to do is because, and they have, there's this team of Lego, and I think it's called Play, Super Play, I can't remember what it's called now, that started these exercises, which I've totally adopted to make sense here, because it's actually for team building and co- corporations and leadership. But they say, if you build it, it will come. What we know about brain science is, remember, where you direct your energy or attention, where you direct your attention, energy flows, right? Where you focus your attention, where I focus my mind, I give mindful attention, my body follows, right? We just talked about that. So when we look at a thought, and I'm trying to think about my own thoughts, 
they're so entangled into who I am and how I think and sometimes the crazyville that I cannot get out of my head. But when I build a, a structure of it, I have given it a, a, an abstract thought now as a concrete image in 3D. And I can look at it from different perspectives and have you tell me what you see. And when we do that, we're also getting out of our left brain and into our right brain. It's engaging my thinking and it's engaging my feelings. So in a much quicker way, I am able to process through something that has been a reoccurrent lifelong struggle for me into now going, oh, I totally see that and I can totally see what I need to do. And I gave you that quote, Christy's the one that sent it to me a long time ago, about play. Oh no, where did I do that? Play, play, play. And this is exactly what we're doing and this is why this kind of exercise is so powerful. That play is so important in neurological growth and development. Scientists have recently determined that it takes approximately 400 repetitions to create a new synapse in the brain unless it is done with play, in which case it takes between 10 to 20 repetitions. So what we're doing here, I can use my imagination and we're gonna create new perspectives of thought in a safe, playful environment. And in that place, I get to develop a new synapse in my brain quicker. It was gonna take 400 repetitions, but I could do it now 10 to 20 because in this place, with using my imagination in a playful, creative environment, I'm able to develop a new structure that I then want to intentionally continue to build or grow. Remember Mark 4, we're going to turn there and then we're going to start to do our exercises. Mark 4, turn there. Raise your hand if you were not here last year when we did this. Not. Okay, raise your hand if you were here. Okay, half and half. All right, I think I'm gonna set it up enough. If not, somebody else can clear, clean up my mess and set it up for me. But um, Mark 4 says, and he said to them, no, yeah. What verse? Well, let's just start in 21. Mark 4, 21. And he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand for nothing is hidden except to be made manifest nor is anything secret except to come to light let me stop there no one knows the thoughts of man except the spirit of that man and no one knows the thoughts of god except the spirit of god and we have been given the spirit of god that we might understand something what he's thinking i can't remember how to finish the verse so what has been secret and hidden, and I don't want to expose to you because like Anne-Marie said, I am afraid, I'm messy, and I don't want to show you that, and I don't, I don't want to show it to God either. Then it gets to stay in darkness and hiddenness. But when anything is not hidden, it's anything is secret, comes to light. That's what we're doing. Then he says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Then he goes on to compare that to a man scattering seed. And we've talked about cultivating a life as we are determining to pull up some old weeds and rocks and different things in the garden of our heart that are preventing our harvest. 
and we are cultivating the seed we're paying attention to, and that's what happens in this, in this chapter. He's talking about our thoughts. They begin in seed form, and what we pay attention to the most attends to that seed. It gives it everything it needs to grow. So if I think I'm a rejected person and I have been rejected and I have thoughts of rejections and feelings of rejection, so when I'm sitting with a group of friends, all I'm thinking about is rejection, I am paying good attention. Is that bad grammar? I am paying attention to that seed. So I am watering it. I am giving it sunshine. I am fertilizing it. And man, is that thing going to be a beautiful weed. Right? Unless I'm depriving that of power and I am refusing to give my attention, I am not going to let that seed grow. I am going to begin to pay attention to what I hear. And that is going to grow. And he says, and more will be added. Here's your harvest. He's helping us to say, we can see what is he saying. Like, can you see what he's saying? And the thing is, is that his blood is speaking a better word over your life. Better than your parents spoke over your life. Better than your friends, better than your siblings, better than your husband or partner, or better than you are speaking over yourself. His blood is speaking a better word. And so what is he saying? Can you see what he's saying? Can you pay attention to, give attention to, and attend to what he's saying? Because we need to pull up the, the, the weeds and all of that stuff that we have given our attention to. And... Um, if you're having a hard time, like, I don't know even, I can't, I don't know, I can't think of the thoughts. You do that by, how do you, by what you hear, pay attention to what you hear. What do you hear coming out of your mouth consistently? Or if you're brave to ask a friend or husband, what do you hear coming out of my mouth consistently? Because the thing about a blind spot, it's a blind spot. And I don't know. I do not fully know how I present myself or show up in this world to you. And so by what you hear, by a continual, like, or it could, maybe you're not saying it, but maybe it is a continual nagging thread of conversation that's just in your mind all the time, and you're so aware of it. And I've told you mine. It's like I would never have said that I have anxiety. I've not really experienced except for that one crazy period after my surgery where I was having anxiety. Um, but I recognize I do. I know what it feels like now in my body, and I feel the loop in my mind, and what's happening is there's a situation out in front of me that I'm focusing on that feels scary and out of control to me and I'm trying by my thinking so dumb when you say that loud by my very willful thinking I am trying to control that situation and what does that produce in me anxiety I'm out of control it's fearful I want this outcome to be good and so I'm using that so I recognize what is that so if I were to do that the thing about this Lego exercise that I think is so much fun, and don't dump them out yet because it'll be so crazy noisy, so just do it in a second. When you were going to build a structure and you were thinking about anxiety, I don't even know what, let's, that's a bad example, so let me do, they were talking, what if I was going to school? School is an anxious place for me. So I'm going to build school, but I'm, think about it in forms of metaphor. Don't build a perfect schoolhouse. Metaphor for school might be, there. I might have an Apple Lego, and I might have a, an owl Lego, it's knowledge. And I might have staircase that's like higher learning. That's a metaphor of school. We did last time, last semester, we did metaphors of freedom. What does that look like? And someone, several people did an airplane. They, they did an airplane and then there was a beach. Freedom for them looked like free to go and do wherever. And I love to be at the beach, so I'm free to go there. 
And I now I can't remember, was it you, Lisa? And I was like, what if we took away the, the airplane? And she said, you, that was y'all. I took away, I thought the airplane, and you said, well, now you've taken away my freedom. I'm not, do you see what I'm saying? When you're doing this also, we're going out of our left brain. We're not just logically thinking. We've now moved into our right brain. We've now moved into our imagination and subconscious that's freely flowing, and you might find yourself building a structure that you were not even aware you would build. And that is what happens in the sex class. If we had all the hours to do it, they let them just start to go and play with these Legos, and then they build this thing. They weren't consciously, logically thinking with the front of their forefront of their brain. They weren't logically thinking about that, but in their subconscious, they begin to play and imagine and dream and mold this thing that they're like, whoa, and then could look at it and talk about what it was. So we're gonna do that. And I wanted to try to let y'all do a playful, fun one first, but we don't have time. So I'm going to let y'all do a deeper one. Just get in there and wrestle it out. So first thing I want you to do, don't dump the Legos out yet. First thing I want you to do is think about that. When I've been talking, can you think of, oh, I know what mine is. There's this reoccurring loop of thinking in my mind that I'm constantly having to battle. Or even something I'm continually saying, or it's a fearful thing. Or something, it could be something you desire, like this, I want this so badly, and I know this is what God has for me. So I want you to build, you're going to build a little Lego structure, but you're going to build it in metaphor. Raise your hand if you don't understand that still, because I could be doing a terrible example. Oh, let me tell you all this, this is so important. Let me tell you this. Once we begin to set out and review our thoughts and ideas, it can be difficult to hold all the parts of a complex argument or situation in mind at once. But once thoughts are put into external storage, such as writing, a diagram, or a model, they can be shared, developed, and worked on. We can arrange ideas in the external memory field, by which in the physical realm we have represented them somehow where they can be examined and subjected to classification, comparison, and experimentation. Um, I don't need to hear all this. I'm sitting here reading and y'all watching me read. <laughs> okay, so let me, I was trying to see if they have a better explanation of it. They don't. So what I mean by building it in a metaphor, that is getting you out of the left. Because, yeah, if I just said right now, build a school, you know, you just build a school. So you're getting into the more imaginative, playful, subconscious side. So it's like, what would it look like? Okay, I'll do mine. What would it look like? Anxiety, like it, these anxiety. And all of a sudden, the first thing I thought of is I see my desire to control because I'm afraid. And what that looks, so all of a sudden, I saw like this horse with a harness and a bit and chains on its feet. And it's just like being, it can't run. It's like there's something that's holding him back. I am trying to control this horse by my stubborn will to lead this horse over here with the bridle and with the reins. Instead of that horse just being fully free to run through the pasture. So I am building something that, that 
you could look at it and I go, here's my, you're going to look at my Lego structure and you see, oh, there's a horse and there's reins and there's that, but you don't, what does that mean to you? And I'm saying, well, that represents anxiety because of this. But then what y'all get to do is go, well, wow, have you thought about this though? Have you noticed that this is what the horse, have you noticed this about the bit or the bridle? Or what if you moved the reins over here? Or what if you just, do you see? And so you're able to begin to talk to them about this thought, help them see it from a different perspective. And then if we have time, we're going to build the new. But what I would like for y'all to do is um, I would like for there to be tables of uh, four or five. So Sarah, y'all, y'all go over there. Y'all are good. Well, actually, yeah, if you have six, it's too many. So I know it's hard for some of y'all to move to new tables, but it would be so good if y'all would. Be brave. Make a new friend. And we all do this. Hey, Sarah, would you grab, y'all grab, no, I'll do it. Okay, y'all be there. Sit there. Now dump out the Legos. Dump out the Legos. And if y'all need more, you can definitely go to the other tables to get what you're looking for. And there's two others that are not being used. Build the thought structure that you're working on. Okay, wait, where can you move, Linda? Four. You can come. Are there five here? Are there, yeah. there five here? There's four here. There's, oh, Karen's there. How many are over there? Five? Five. Are there five right there? No. Perfect. You have thought, Anne-Marie has no thought structures to work on, so she is leaving. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> um, so now, in your, sit there and be still. Shh. Oh, no, I'm doing totally what they did to me in Paris. I'm so sorry. Now I know what that feels like. Okay, but please put on your thinking caps and eyes forward on me. I used to be an elementary teacher. And I want you just to be really still and think, okay, what is it? And maybe ask him, what is it, God, that you want me to be working on? What is the place that in partnership together we can go after? You might have a feeling in your body. You might have a memory from the past. You might have a projection that's in the future that you can't control. You might have, oh, no, I know exactly what it is because it's continuing to show up in my life. When you know what that is, then I want you to think about, okay, be playful and get into your, like, begin just playing with the Legos and just almost free flow. You know how you free flow write? Maybe free flow build an imaginative, playful structure that is just a metaphor of that thought. So just, you begin to build it and add to it and just go ahead and start building what that looks like. Not so literally but more metaphorically. And if you need help, raise your hand and I'll come around. But just start building your structures and then we're going to stop and you are going to help each other look at them from a different perspective because we can do that because they have been brought into the light. Okay, every, okay. everyone look up here, please.
and this is so important. I'm so serious about this. It's going to be harder for the tables of five, but in, in order to respect and honor each other, no one gets to dominate the, the table time because it's, we have the habit of, so, and then everybody loves to like sozo you and, you know, like start giving you all the counsel and you've spent 15 minutes on one person and the other people didn't get to speak. So each person gets five minutes. And if we're Enneagram ones in the room, then somebody might have a timer. I thought that was like, did you see her? Did you see her? I love it. Christy's got the timer out, ready to make sure that everybody at her table just has five minutes. It's so, I love it so much. So, but seriously, because y'all, we want to be able to share what's going on. So listen, when it's your turn to share, when it's your turn to share, you're going to say, this is my structure. Are y'all listening to me? Yes. This is my structure and this is what it represents. This is the thought pattern or whatever. They're not going to judge your structure. They're not going to go, oh, wow, I didn't know you struggled with that. They're going to go, okay, wow, cool. I see that you did this. Have you thought of it? And you're going to say, maybe you're stuck. You might say, I honestly don't feel safe enough to talk about it right now in this environment. And that's totally fine. You don't have to. But then we're going to give positive, constructive feedback and helpful insight because I am looking at Wendy's structure from up here and from this perspective and she's right here and you know is looking at it like this so I can help her well have you thought about it like this that's all we're doing okay we have five minutes to do that decide who's going to go first and somebody do, does need to be the timekeeper because we need to keep it at that okay so five minutes per person five minutes per person that means you're going to share quickly what your thought structure is and then the four other four minutes, they're going to give you feedback. Okay, go. Okay, if you did not get to finish, would you please hold it just for one second? And the people in your group promise they will stick there by you and let you finish. That you've probably got two more minutes. So don't leave. I know this was hard to get into, but did it end up being super helpful? Raise your hand if you felt like, wow, I did get some new insights and a different perspective. It's interesting, isn't it, how we could put it out there and from somebody else's perspective, they can flip it or literally throw it off the table or dig it up. Or um, So again, I think this is something we could begin to even think about in our own time with God. Like I told you one time when I was really fearful about going to this doctor hospital and Holy Spirit said, hey, let's just play today. I think y'all can learn to be, we all can learn to be more creative and playful in our time with Holy Spirit, asking him to help us reframe our thoughts and give us a different perspective. You know, we tend to be super literal and logical and linear. And I think he's asking us to color outside the lines. And I think that this exercise helps to do that. So I would have loved to have gotten a, a personal testimony up here, but since there's not time and I want those of you who have not finished to get to finish, but also y'all can...